Hola, I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to be with you. This is a weekly podcast featuring pilgrims who have walked the Camino de Santiago, the many and varied paths to the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in Santiago de Compostela. A different approach this week. I've started to receive correspondence from across the world, people thinking of walking, people who started and didn't finish, and an email this week from a woman who listens each week and would love to walk but is too frightened. Well, Terry, a quote for you this week from Nigerian writer E.J. Omar Umaybinyo. Start now, start where you are. Start with fear, start with pain. Start with doubt, start with hands shaking. Start with voice trembling, but start. Start and don't stop. Start where you are, with what you have, just start. So we're going to touch base this week with two of my former guests, both of whom are actually walking the Camino right now. It's been a bit of a logistical nightmare, but I've managed to find Brad Gennaro and Mick McQueen. Brad featured in Podcast 10 and Mick in Podcast 11. They're walking the Camino this week. And before we cross to Spain, I thought I'd give you an update on my Camino. I told my story in week one of my Camino, the podcast. I walked from Sahun to Santiago last July and August, arriving on my 50th birthday. I returned, eager to maintain my engagement with the experience, and I made so many wonderful friends on my journey, I wanted to keep the lines of communication open. So being a content producer in my day job, I developed this podcast, and the response has been overwhelming. I've spoken to authors, to movie directors, housewives, Catholic priests, motivational speakers, army veterans, doctors, people suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, Parkinson's, and cancer. It's been another journey, if you like, a journey of discovery, 10,000 miles from Spain. I shared my own story in week one. Then week two, I spoke with two Canadians, Miles Murphy and Doug Proch. Their philosophy was simple, just do it. Week three and four, I spoke with the Australian filmmaker Bill Bennett about walking using your instincts and following your instincts. And Bill, well, in fact, Bill is currently putting the finishing touches to a film about instinct. It's called PGS, the Personal Guidance System. Week five was Canadian broadcaster Laurie Brown. Laurie talked about finding herself by getting lost. Week six was my Camino mentor, Jose Luis Pedraza, Two podcasts side by side, one in English and one in Spanish. And I wanted to know what the Spanish make of pilgrims and why the Camino is so special to the local economy and culture. Week seven is Rebecca Scott, an American writer who packed up and moved to Spain to live on the Camino, a great yarn from someone not frightened to tell it like it is. Week eight is Alsa Piper and Father Tony Doherty and a yarn about their new book, The Attachment. Both are pilgrims and they met through a love of the Camino and have now published a book of their correspondence. Its subtitle is Letters from an Unlikely Friendship. We discuss the way, the truth and the light of friendship that burns between them. Week 9 is Anne Eidstein, a 60-plus-year-old pilgrim who stepped outside her comfort zone to walk the Camino. I had amazing feedback from Anne's story. It's about bravery and overcoming your fears. Week 10, as I said, is Brad, Gerino, Week 11, Mick McQueen, and we'll chat to them shortly. Week 12 was Will Boag, a 70-year-old pilgrim with Parkinson's. Will, too, is currently walking the Camino, and he said he isn't fearful of Parkinson's because being diagnosed with the disease has motivated him to do things he never thought imaginable. 
Week 13 was Dr. Sanjeeva Vijay Singha, who walked the Camino with his son and returned to write a book about it, Strangers on the Camino. He tells us he and his son Shivantha started the Camino as strangers and finished as father and son. Week 14 was Hospitaleros Julie Ann Milne and Jenny Heesh, a podcast you can't miss if you're thinking of giving back to the Camino. We talk about, in fact, why pilgrims feel a need to give back and why we seek out continued engagement when we return home. Week 15 is New York-based actor, writer and blogger Ginny Bartolone. And Ginny talks about how and why the Camino changes our lives and why we can sometimes suffer when we return, both physically and spiritually. Week 16 is the Australian pilgrim Sam Clear, who walked 15,500 kilometres, finishing with 1,000 kilometres of the Camino de Santiago. And I talked to Sam about prayer and his motivations for continuing a dialogue on prayer, faith and Christian unity. Week 17 was the author, blogger and photographer Rachel Rukert, and we talked about her blog, The 20 Truths You'll Learn on the Camino de Santiago. And week 18, guidebook, author, blogger and writer Johnny Walker Santiago, probably my most popular podcast to date, and certainly the feedback I got was astounding. So if you're new to the podcast, I urge you to go back to listen to the previous episodes. They don't date, as it were, and each episode features the guests' philosophy, what motivated them, what they carried, what they packed or didn't pack, and what impact the way has had on their lives. I've said many times I get a feeling the Camino is calling me back. My wife calls it my midlife crisis. So, God willing, I'm heading back. I hope to walk from Lourdes to France to Saint-Jean-Pont-Peter-Port before crossing the Pyrenees and walking the Camino Francis all the way to Santiago de Compostela late August through to early October over a period of six weeks. I'm a musician by trade and I've bought a new lightweight parlor guitar which I hope to carry on my back. I have the ludicrous notion I'll be able to sing for my supper. That's the plan. The Camino is calling us, so let's return to the Camino. My first guest this week is Brad Gennaro, a pilgrim and founder of Veterans on the Camino, a US-based organization providing support for war veterans to walk the Camino to help them heal. Brad wrote Soldier to Santiago about his Camino experience, and in week 10 of my podcast, we talk about the book, his journey as both a soldier and as a pilgrim, and how the way is helping those who served reclaim their lives. I've managed to find him on the Camino. Brad, welcome. Thank you. Now it's it's pretty noisy there, but we can we can get. Where are you? I am on my way to Surya. I just left Tria Castella this morning and uh, making good progress. It's an absolutely stunning day. And and how are you holding up? I'm holding up fantastic. Uh, no blisters. Knock on wood. Um, the legs are good. The knees are good. So yeah, it's, it's just enjoying every second. You mentioned there that it's a glorious day. How has the weather been over the last four weeks? Well, we've had a little of everything, but overall it's been exceptional. Uh, probably the toughest weather was on the Meseta, and it was uh, you know, kind of a uh, driving rain right in your face, um, you know, strong winds, and uh, it made for a more interesting Meseta walk. <laughs> How long did that last? How long did that go for, the driving rain? Uh, there were just patches of driving rain. So luckily I, I was able to thread my way between most of the storm clouds, but I didn't always get lucky. 
So how busy is it at the moment, Brad, the Camino itself? You know, it's surprisingly busy. Uh, there's been uh, times when you have to go albergue to albergue to find an uh, empty bed. Um, there's more people than I expected. Uh, but once again, the, the weather's fantastic, and, and I think it's drawn a bigger crowd this year. So you told us uh, earlier in our full-length podcast about a month or so ago that you were taking a handful of veterans with you to help them deal with post-traumatic stress. How are they going, Brad? Well, it, uh, at the end of it all, I only have one veteran with me on this first trip, which has, uh, has been a blessing in disguise. Uh, much easier to manage, and I'm, I'm learning a lot of things about how to manage, um, you know, making sure I'm the safety net for these guys. It's going terrific. I, I tell you, um, the changes I've seen and the other peregrinos have seen is remarkable. Uh, it, it's nothing short of uh, mind-blowing to see how, how, this, uh, how this guy's kind of come out of his shell and uh, I mean, it's physical changes. It's his attitude. It's it's nearly everything has shown a huge change. And what about the reaction from other pilgrims? Have they been encouraging of him or, and and nurturing of him? Absolutely. In fact, we, we I spent the first maybe four days uh, kind of in lockstep with him, just to kind of get him comfortable with the whole concept. After that, I. I distanced myself so as not to influence his Camino, and he uh, immediately started bonding with other people. And uh, I've, I've gotten, I've talked to a lot of the uh, people that have walked with him and and gotten their uh, you know thoughts on on yep. what's going on with him. And it's it's been amazing. Uh, a lot of people reach out to him and kind of. Uh, it just pulled him out of his shell. It's amazing. And, and so then, in many respects, Brad, it's you're sensing from him the same reaction that you got on your first Camino. You, you picked I up the energy and, and, and you, you felt a sense of, of renewal and, and, uh, and, and I suppose, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of acceptance in forgiveness in yourself. Yes. And you're feeling the same thing. You can see it happening with him. Yeah, it, it's, it's almost a little bit strange to see him go through this because I, I recognize the same things that I went through. Uh, so at the very beginning, it was very much, uh, you know, closed off and uh, uh, kind of very, very much on guard all the time. And I, I realized that that's exactly how I was at the beginning. And uh, then to see that these changes gradually take place. Um, yeah, I, I recognize that totally from my own experience. And what about you on this Camino? Are you finding a, a renewed energy? Are you still soaking up the juju, as they say? Oh, absolutely. In fact, this one's been different for me because uh, I've gotten the opportunity to really spend a lot of time solo walking. You know, I always stay in touch and, and close within reach of where, uh, where Tyler's at. But much of my time has been solo on this one. I've really found that I've enjoyed that. Yeah, and I suppose that's something that you... Uh, you learn from walking a number of times that you're not so surprised, I suspect, Brad, that you find yourself alone with all that time to think. You kind of, you know what to expect is what I'm trying to say. I do, and I'm, I feel like I'm uh, trying to make the most of it. You know, just a, a lot of time, a lot of uh, kilometers and uh, a lot of time for reflection, and I, I'm enjoying it very much. 
And will you rejoin with your fellow pilgrim, uh, the other vet, at some stage leading up to that? Or do you plan to arrive together? Absolutely. In fact, uh, I'm planning to link up with him this afternoon in Surya. Uh, I know that he took the, the route going through Samos today, uh-huh. and I, I elected to take the other one since I hadn't done them before. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're staying a little bit tighter now. Um, um, and uh, I, I do want to uh, walk into Santiago together with him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just just on that, you mentioned there that you're taking the, the alternative route to Surya. I took the route to Samos. How is that route that you're on? It is stunning. Really? It's, it's amazing. It, yeah, it doesn't have the monastery, but uh, I'll tell you what, the the, uh, the farmland that you walk through, the rolling hills, the uh, it's just pristine Galicia, which is my favorite portion of the whole Camino. Yeah, yeah. And so what town are you in at the moment, do you know? You know, I was, uh, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it's a really small one. But it's amazing. You've got really amazing Wi-Fi. You're coming through loud and clear. I'm going to let you go because it's about 11.30 in the morning there. So you'll be mid-walk and and you've been very generous with your time. Good luck. Congratulations on what you have achieved and what you hope to achieve. And we'll talk soon and, and perhaps we'll touch base again when you finish. Fantastic. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. All the best. Buon Camino. In week 11, I spoke with Mick McQueen. I said at the time and maintain, it's one of the most extraordinary interviews I've ever conducted in more than 20 years of broadcasting. The former Australian soldier is carrying on the Camino an Australian role of honour, honouring 41 Australians killed in service in Afghanistan. He opened up about his hopes and his intentions and revealed secrets he carried with him his entire life. We went through his excess baggage together to lighten his load before he headed off. He's only a couple of weeks into the Camino, and Mick McQueen is on the line. How are you travelling, my friend? Well, uh, <clears throat> one foot after the other. It's uh, I must say, though, Dan, it's been quite a journey. Uh, I mean, it's uh, every day. It's uh, it's been different, uh, both you know, like physically and mentally. Uh, you know, the, the, from the very first start when you arrived in Saint John, and as you did a long time ago. You know, I, I'm lucky I stayed at a place called Bellari where uh, Joseph, very, very spiritual guy, had everybody sit down and uh, talk about themselves. And basically, they had to come up with a movie title of, uh, you know, what the Camino was. And, uh, you know, I've obviously booked Carrying 41. But, you know, Carrying the Roll of Honour is only one part, as you know, of my journey. And um, I have actually reconnected with my faith since I started. I, I, I didn't know how, how strong that would be, but... Uh, I haven't missed mass in most of the major towns, and uh, I suppose the I suppose the turning point, as you know, is when I got into uh, Ronsvalley, where I attended mass, and I actually got to speak to the priest there, and I told him about problems, my abuse when I was uh, when I was only young, and he was very understanding, and he asked me if I'd like to go to confession, which I did, and I had my first holy communion for 45 years, and I. Uh, I think I was in tears uh, when I did it. Um, it's just so moving that I felt so reassured and was so welcoming into Ronsavali Cathedral, which I think you may have been into. Um, basically, since then, I, I, I have walked by myself all the way. Uh, you have met up with people on that you walk little sections with, but 
basically I've, I've sort of did it all mine and each day I've, I, you know, I've found there has been a big difference to myself. I, I think I'm more patient already and there's things that happen that maybe I might have reacted a different way to before that I've learned to listen more. I think I think that's the biggest thing. I'm sort of, because of the language barrier, thing, you know, this is not a bad idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, uh, and of course it's a physical, you know, hop out for every morning walking, you know, I've had really cold. Yesterday was just unbelievable where I left Villafranca and it just rained. And I went over the mountain, it was freezing cold, but somehow I took the positive out of that. It was... I was isolated by myself and walking to St. Juan, Juan, Otiga, the cathedral monastery, the other side of the mountains of Villafranca. And it's just wonderful to sit back and reflect and think, you know, there's so much more to life, you know, and, and yeah. so many diverse people meeting here. And yeah. I've become a listener and I, I find, look, I'm not the only one that has problems. I suppose that's the thing. I'm not on my own. Every single person here seems to have a, uh, you know, like a, a, I don't know, a, a crisis that they've gone through or something they're trying to discover. Yeah. And I've met, you know, people that have recently divorced and they're searching, you know, what am I going to do with my life? I mean, I walked today with a UK policeman from Northern Ireland. I met him yesterday. He tells me how, you know, with divorce and, and then he's, you know, they open up about the struggles that they have with their children and, you know, their you know, their operations. Uh, you know, I, I talked to Americans who have told us, he sat down and said, in tears, he says, my son's gay. And he said, never told anyone ever in his life. And he just told us. And yeah. I thought, wow, you know, you, you know, it's just one of those times for honesty and yeah. openness, I suppose. Yeah, so Mick, well, I'll, I'll just tell my listeners if this is the first podcast they've listened to or perhaps they didn't we listen on week 11. And I know you won't mind me saying that Mick, when he was a young boy, was in a in a, a boarding institution and was sexually assaulted by, by one of the clergy. And he did so as a result of, in order to protect his little brother. So Mick, let's go back then to Mass in Roncesvalles. Let's go to, to the, the confession and, and communion. How did it resonate with you? Because really it had been, you, you had been hiding from it. Would that be fair to say? For a long, long time. Oh, how, how did it resonate with you then, uh, uh, then stepping back inside the church and saying, okay, I'm here. You would have had to, am I right in saying staring it down? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's a big circle, Dan. It's a big circle, you know, when it happened. Yeah, hang on. Hi, hi. How are you going? Sorry, I'm, I'm talking at the moment. Uh, just talking to the lady who I, I pulled out of the trees uh, on the way from Villa uh, Frankie yesterday, she was huddled under the trees, freezing cold. She's a Dutch woman, lovely woman. And I coaxed her out and says, come walk with me. And she came. She felt reassured that I was walking with her. She was cold. She was, uh, you know, a bit frightened with all the rain. So I put my arm around and said, you can walk with me. And I walked until I got up to the mountains where I actually made it. Yeah, I think that's what you thought I was certified with there. <laughs> she just walked past. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's you know that's the good part of Camino. You know, you just you feel good inside doing those little things. You know, people, yeah, yeah. friends for life. But um, uh, okay, well, what happens uh, in relation to is the full circle is, you know, obviously I felt anger. I was a very angry man. I've been angry, you know, and I think it's uh, because because of the seat 
by the clergy, you know, by being abused, you know, all the trust. And you get angry and then you walk away from the faith, but inside you, you're really, really angry because you actually enjoyed your faith. Everybody needs something to cling to in life, I suppose. And it's not a dominating, you know, there's various forms of, um, with the religion on uh, where, how much of a practicing. Uh, there goes, uh, goodbye, I hope you get better. Oh, yes, yeah, thank you. No, my pleasure giving it to you. Yeah, okay then. Thank you, thank you. Oh, no, he touched me. Okay, uh, this guy uh, just uh, in the room, he's very, very sick, so I gave him all my flu medicine. So he says it's made him feel better already. Bye-bye. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right, Nick. We uh, all know yeah, what it's I'm like on the Camino. Everybody. Yeah, go on. Uh, how, I, do, I just need to help everybody. I, See, uh, I just feel... I, I, I've patched everybody up. But, um, yes, um, I, look, I'm sorry about that. That's all right. No, uh, so I am on the Camino. It's live, exactly. live on the Camino. That's Can't right. get any liver than this. Precisely. So um, you, you, uh, you were saying you've gone full circle, and part of the reason why you felt so betrayed was that you had, and, and religion and the clergy and that, that aspect of your life was something joyful all those years ago. And it was taken away from me. I was an altar boy when I first started, and I was lucky. I went from the original masses from a little place called Del Wallanew, which is about 150 miles uh, north uh, northwest of Perth, north northish northwest of Perth. You know, I live in a little little place with actually it's the biggest Plymouth Brethren uh, place in Australia. You might have heard about them, but um, I went to you know we had a convent right, and we had the uh, uh, school there and everything, St. Joseph's. And I was an altar boy. We had Latin masses and all that. So I, you know, I went through all, you know, life. My parents, Italians, very, very religious. But, you know, that was that taken away. And the trust when I went to Northern, because my, I was actually quite smart, <laughs> and they wanted me to get some good education. And because uh, my brother, um, uh, as you know, I had to, it, it was a deal, you know, deal done with the devil to protect him and, uh, you know, it's frustratingly mad, you know, but um, my, my, I don't think my brother, uh, you know, who was there, he knows what happened and, you know, he turned to drugs and he's never really straightened himself out. But um, I, uh, this has gave me an opportunity to, to square the ledger, to put everything away and, and I have. I, I went and I, I spoke to this priest for about an hour before I went in. He took me to the, and sat me down on a little pew, right, in the sunshine. And he wanted to talk through. His English was perfect. And then he said, you know, why don't we go to confession and, and, and we'll absolve you of all the things you've done bad or good or blah, blah, blah. Poor bloke, he probably needed earplugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I told him, you know, in my aspect where I think, and he said that, uh, you know, in regards to, you know, what we perceive as sins may not be sins. You know what I mean? It's a variation of good and bad. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I've just, I just felt so, I just felt so good when I left there. Then I went to, he, he asked me to go to my first communion in 45 years because, you know, which I'm not. And um, there's two ways, you know, you, you, you take your communion. You can either take in your hands or you, the priest can it in your mouth, right? And the old way, and which is, uh, I felt really. I think my best best uh, walk I had on the whole whole pilgrimage is the next day. I was just like rockets. I felt better, stronger, fitter, clearer. And each day, uh, it's given me time to reflect. So I haven't missed the church since um since I left there. I've, I've attended them. I've been inside them, and it's it's good. It's it's given me a bit bit of a bit more purpose, Dan. It's given me something to live for. 
I think it's absolutely outstanding. Mick, when we spoke, you were some weeks away still from leaving. In fact, your journey began a long time before your Camino began. Um, tell us about the United States. Uh, and, 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 um, I, and I should also point out, it was wrong of me to, that, to not let our listeners know, that you are carrying 41 poppies. It's called the, the Roll of Honour. 41 poppies in a, um, in, in, a, in a canister to represent the 41 lives of the Australians, the 41 Australians lost, who lost their lives in the Afghanistan war. Okay. You took it across America before you went to Spain. That's right. Um, what I did was that I obviously did San Francisco, Las Vegas. Uh, I did LA and um, basically uh, then I flew across to a little place called Gatlingburg, Tennessee, which is just in the middle of the South, right? It is a different place, different people. And I was, you know, and, and I brought it, I remember bringing out the Roll of Honor, right, to them showing these people. And they had cousin this and cousin that come out of the hills from everywhere. <laughs> and they, 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 they gave me a they gave me a, a big sort of afternoon dinner. And now these people poor down, they got nothing, absolutely nothing, poor as shit, living shanties. And they opened their houses and up to me. And I, I was really mirthed, right? And then, so I was staying at the Hilton Garden Inn in Gatlingburg, which I said, whoa. <laughs> so I invited them. I invited them all down for breakfast the following morning. And I thought there might be six or seven turn up or whatever, but there's 27 turned up, <laughs> right? And the chef, the, the chef was about ready to let loose, right? When he noticed that two of the people walking in were state troopers, right? Friends of mine. And he went, whoops. And they, they kept coming up to me and I had the roll of honour out on the on the breakfast table and we had this huge big table and we put together and they more or less say are we allowed to eat how much are we allowed to eat or are we, can we go back twice I said you can go back as many times as you like well they had you know those great big pastry bloody uh, uh, boards and that that, that yeah. was just there was nothing there when we left <laughs> <laughs> and uh Oh, they, I won't be invited back there again. But uh, oh, look, they had a fantastic time. <laughs> that, that was probably the funniest thing of the trip, right? <laughs> but um, I took it to um, I took it to the Players Championship, and, and I had a golf. It had to be taken around by an Australian uh, golfer, a PGA golfer. Now, I, I'd I, I'd I'd actually suggested that this would be a great thing to do, but I hadn't been in practice. And I didn't realise how hard it was to get inside the inner circles of these champion golfers. Now, Greg Chalmers is a brilliant guy. I knew, you know, I went straight up and had a chat to him. That was easy. I said, mate, this is, I've got the roll on, blah, blah, This is on the first day. And look, he, he was too happy to say, Mick, no problems. Honoured. Straight in his, you know, with uh, uh, Adam that was just, oh, that was horrendously hard. And I, I was getting really stressed. I had to get it done. I had the poppies, but I managed to speak to him. And as soon as I spoke to him, he was just wrapped. And at the end of it, we finished and he, uh, he came back out and he you know, did all the things with the kids corny and all their balls and signs. And he had his girlfriend and her mother just next to me. They didn't know who it was and I didn't know who they were. And they're trying to push me out of the road, but I told them to back off or whatever. I didn't realise it was his girlfriend and the mother. And he came over and I gave him the role on her and uh, all the... Uh, the, the photographic pack or the, the dog was, they were all up the hill, right? All gone up there thinking, oh, there's nothing much now. See, Coo Women's won their championship. And suddenly they sort of noticed there was something going on in the enclosure. And I had about eight of these things running down the hill trying to get there as fast as they could. 
and we had the video and all the pictures the fans take, and he laid the poppies for me. It was just absolutely brilliant and uh, shook hands. And just as we did it, the pack turned up, and they said, oh, can we have a recreation, you know? And Adam said, what do you reckon, Nick? And I said, nah, bugger them. <laughs> so we left it. So, so the so, BBC, uh, Golf Australia, Golf Australia got hold of me and they said, look, can we have the pictures? Can we do something? So what they did was, uh, this is the PGA Tour, and then they got Golf Australia involved. So it's now on the PGA Tour website. It's on the Golf Australia, did an article on it. So this is recognition, more recognition of the 41. It was just, I mean, the um, the architects, you know, Brian Froome, they're just absolutely wrapped at what we, we managed to achieve in recognising these people. Um and because then I went to uh, I went to uh, New York City, and uh, I wanted to get them laid down the bottom. There's this huge pylon, right? And it, it symbolised the uh, the towers when they fell. It was where everybody met and pinned posters of people they missed. I think you might see. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's down in the tomb of the place, and it's uh, a sacrosanct place where no one's allowed to do anything. No, you know, they've got a survivor's tree up top. Anyway, I walked around and I thought, you know, like, when I've got a mission, I've got a mission. And I, I noticed this guy who seemed to be the boss and he had ribbons on. So I went up to him and says, look, Mick McQueen. And I says, former Australian life, you know, I told him about the role of honour. I says, the reason I got 41 poppies sitting in the back of the cell is because what happened here, 9-11. That is the only reason these people are in this poppies because what happened here. And then our yeah. war and terror with Afghanistan. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, you know what? He says, effort. I've been not say because on radio. Yeah. He says, you're right, buddy. Let's go do it. So he says, I'll get to kick me ass for this because I'll have it on CTV. But uh, no, nah. he says, that's what's going to happen. And so we did it. And I got the ceremony downstairs, photographed, and, it's, and they were just wrapped. So, yeah, and uh, here I am now. And my poor old buddy British... Uh, British uh, policeman, mate, he's sitting up there walking around in circles going, come on, Mick, we'll never get to Burgos. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll, 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 just, it's, 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 I'll just keep you for another yeah. couple of minutes if I can. Uh, uh, Two minutes. Uh, yeah, okay. okay. He, said it's, he said it's okay. Oh, that's it's good. cost him a coffee too. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, go on. All right. How is the weather? Mate, uh, the weather um, has uh, been terrible the last three days. It's just rained. And uh, yeah. right now I have sunny, beautiful blue skies, right? Absolutely great. I'll, I'll just tell you something. Between uh, Del Rios, between Torres Del Rios and, um, um, oh, God, Vienna. Vienna, beautiful little oasis. Um, it was really raining. And you have a lot of people that uh, <clears throat> don't walk and they take buses and forward their gear here, as you know. Anyway, I was walking down a track. It was blinding rain, and I got hit by a cyclist and uh, knocked twenty meters down into a ravine. Oh no! Where I injured my yeah, I injured my back and my leg, and um, I was trying to crawl out of there, waiting for the bike ride. The bike ride didn't stop. He thought, uh, uh, nah. He knew he knew he'd stuffed up, but I mean, it was an accident. It was okay, but he shouldn't have been going fast down there. But yeah, I mean, I was in pain, and I sort of staggered all the way to Vienna. I had to walk about another three or four k's to Vienna. And I went in there. I looked like the mud man. The, <laughs> the hostelero took me out the back and I showered and changed all my gear and cleaned all the mud off my pack and that. But, oh, that was – I had to walk 11.7 Ks, I think, from there to um, to Legrano. And I, it was the hardest 11.7 I've ever done in my life. I, I just limped and I was in pain the whole way. But I, lucky I had a restaurant and I was able to uh, – 
to uh, you know get myself back on track and bit by bit every day I'm getting stronger. But um, yeah. talking to you, you've you've brought, you've brought the sunshine out, brother. <laughs> you have to, you, well, you have brought the sunshine, Dan the man. Well, listen, Dan the man, Mullen. Listen, brought the sunshine to me. Listen, you've got you've got a couple of big days ahead. Well, you've got a couple of big weeks ahead with the Masetta, and you're catching up with some dear friends yep. of mine in the next few days. I'll let you go because yes. if you're on a roll and the sun is shining, you should get walking, my friend. Buen Camino. We'll talk yep. in the next few weeks and uh, and and just know that all my listeners, our prayers and thoughts are with you. Be strong in heart and mind and 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 you'll keep on keeping on and and, and let's hope and we all hope collectively that you that, that you find the solace and, and, and what you're seeking. Yeah, I'll I'll finish off with this, Dan. Mate, the sun is always shining, mate, from within. Bjorn Camino, my friend Dan. Bjorn Camino. Thanks, Mick. All the best. Okay, bye, mate. The feedback in the wake of Mick's interview was amazing, and I just wanted to let him know that he inspired a lot of people. Indeed, he continues to inspire a lot of people. Mick McQueen there, and earlier Brad Gennaro. Brad's website is veteransonthecamino.com, and I'll try to grab Mick for an update when he finishes as well. As I said, I'm getting emails and messages from all over the world. A lot of people want to know how to subscribe to the podcast. Go to the podcast icon on your phone, click on search and find My Camino, the podcast. Click on subscribe and it will automatically appear on your phone each Tuesday night. That's all we have time for this week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Thank you very much for your company. Thanks for listening and thank you for your support. Until next week, Buen Camino. (laughs) 